Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, and he is my partner in crime, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from separate locations at Lambeau Field as we reboot Packers Unscripted for 2023. Just so you know, the uh, resumption of Zoom is not due to COVID or anything else like that. It actually has to do with some technical limitations that we're dealing with right now. Hopefully they're only temporary, but we don't really know for sure how long we will have to do the show this way. But with the players returning for the offseason program with the draft less than 10 days away now, we thought even with the technical limitations, we would get the show going again. So welcome back, Weston. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Spoff. You know, it brings back such amazing memories of me staring into your living room, you staring into my <laughs> bonus room. Uh, and, and now we get to to relive it a little bit here on the Zoom technology. Thanks to our producer, Justin, kind of stepping in. Uh, yeah, we're going to do the best we can. But certainly it's been an off season of adjustments for the Green Bay Packers. Likewise, Packers Unscripted also adjusting. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I want to get to here with our first show back. We'll be uh, reviewing the offseason to this point, and then we'll do a couple of more shows prior to the first round of the draft. Uh, and we'll look a little bit more at the roster needs and the draft prospects, potentially that sort of thing. But obviously the big story of the offseason so far with the Green Bay Packers is that the franchise is moving on to Jordan Love as the starting quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded, as far as we know, to the New York Jets. He's expressed his desire to play there. The Packers and the Jets have both expressed their desire to work out a deal. That deal has not happened yet. Um, we don't know if it's going to happen before the draft, during the draft, or perhaps after the draft. But you said it, Wes, this is going to be a year of transition in 2023 for the Green Bay Packers. There was a pretty big transition offensively last year when Devontae Adams was traded in March. And there was a, a big shift in how things were going to have to work offensively. This is sort of the uh, Devontae Adams tra tra transition, excuse me, times about 10 or 20 or maybe 100 when you're talking about changing quarterbacks and moving on from the four-time MVP. It's going to be a very, very interesting offseason here in Green Bay with, uh, with OTAs about a month and a half away or so from getting started. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, Mike. I mean, we knew this day was eventually going to come. There was going to be a time where you and I were talking about a Green Bay Packers squad without Aaron Rodgers as their starting quarterback. Uh, and as it turned out, this so happened to be the offseason. And 
it's something that I think from a franchise standpoint, we it's been kind of leading up to this. Jordan Love was drafted three years ago. The Packers traded up to take him out of Utah State, saw him as a long-term prospect. And I felt like last season, while the sample size was undoubtedly small, we, we saw the progress in Jordan's game that maybe wasn't necessarily there as a rookie, maybe wasn't quite where you wanted to be in year two, but year three seemed to really be a, a turning point for him. And from the Green Bay Packers perspective, Obviously, you know, we don't need to go through everything that's been said between Rodgers and the Packers, but this felt like from both perspectives, the right time to move towards, uh, you know, different directions. And uh, obviously you look at what the New York Jets have done and where they're positioned to be. I've said it time and time again in our insider inbox column, they are a team that is really just a quarterback away from contending thought last year that was really the only thing that was holding that squad back. So on both sides, it does make sense. It just comes down to figuring out the compensatory piece and, and figuring out exactly, um, you know, what, what needs to be given up to, you know, transact a, a deal like this at the scale of this with a four-time MVP that is just one year removed from going back to back in that category. Yeah. You said it with regard to the jets, they felt like they were on the verge of making the playoffs last year sort of collapsed at the end of the season. They really felt all the question marks at quarterback, uh, you know, were really what, what held them back. And so they've, uh, they've had their eye on Aaron Rodgers um, for, for a while now, really throughout this entire off season. And we don't know everything that has gone on behind the scenes with regard to Jordan Love in practice, running the scout team. You know, we get to see training camp practices. We get to see preseason games. We got to see that impressive fourth quarter in Philadelphia on uh, in, in prime time under the lights at Lincoln Financial Field. But it's not just that short, you know, as you said, small sample size against Philadelphia that gives the Packers the confidence that this is the time to move on to Jordan Love. It's all the things with regard to practice and how how he's conducted himself, how he's run things, what he's done with those opportunities um, that give the Packers the confidence that now is the time. And, you know, we could do an entire show on on history repeating itself in some ways when you talk about the three-year timeline, the New York Jets being the team that uh, that the Hall of Fame quarterback is is going to be traded to and all of that. But we've heard from some of Jordan Love's teammates that uh, that this sure sounds like very, very different from 2008 when there was clearly a, a split amongst younger players versus veterans in terms of who's behind Aaron Rodgers or who still wants Brett Favre to stay. And I don't want to get into all that. What we've heard from the Packers locker room to this point and this is not any kind of knock against Aaron Rodgers, but this is a locker room that's going to be behind Jordan Love 100%. And uh, and a lot of his young teammates certainly believe in him through and through. Mike, you and I have said this for three years now. Jordan Love has done everything right uh, since the moment he walked into the building with the Green Bay Packers. The fact that the locker room thinks as highly of, of him as they do, the fact that Aaron Rodgers... Uh, has talked about him as glowingly as he has, you know, even going back to that interview with Pat McAfee last month, you know, he talked about how he thinks he's going to be a great quarterback in this league. And he's a young guy that, you know, Jordan Love could have made this so much more difficult than it's been the last three years, but he never complained once about the situation he was in. He never publicly came out and said, Hey, I want to be a starting quarterback. I, I don't, or I want to be this starting quarterback. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of sitting behind Aaron Rodgers." 
he has literally just been the guy he's needed to be when the Packers have needed him to be that individual. That's why I kind of found it funny when people were making a big deal and, and rightfully so I get it. He's the quarterback, but you know, Monday players reported back for the off season program, the video of Jordan love walking into the building, obviously drew a lot of eyes, got a lot of engagement on Twitter, but the reality is this has been no different than the last two years where Jordan Love has come in when Aaron Rodgers hasn't been with the team and been the, the starting quarterback, the quarterback number one in these OTA practices, even in a mini camp, uh, mandatory mini camp practice. He's been the guy running the show a lot of the times. Now he ceded that position to Rodgers in training camp, but Jordan Love has been preparing for this moment. And I think when you hear a guy like Aaron Jones talk about this, you know, at the Packers tailgate tour on the kickoff last week, mentioning that the message he wants to convey to, to Jordan Love is we got your back. We are here to play for you. If it was Aaron Rodgers, it would be the same situation, but letting the young guy know that if you are going to be QB one this season, we are going to do everything in our power to make sure that you're going to be put into a position to succeed. And if you're a young guy like Jordan love, who's going to have rough patches, who's going to make mistakes. That's the best thing you can hear that you have a veteran core around you that is really ready to rally around your leadership. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. It, in terms of re- reviewing the rest of the offseason, we'll take a look here at the free agents who re- re-signed, the guys who have returned, and then those who have departed, and, and it give a sense of just where where the Packers roster stands in terms of uh, of of how this team is taking shape around Jordan Love. You look at the guys that the uh, the free agents that have come back, Wes. I'll just list them off here: Keyshawn Nixon, Dallin Levitt, Eric Wilson, Rudy Ford, Tyler Davis, Corey Ballantine, and Justin Hollins. There's a there's a theme to that list of players, right? And it's the it's the connection to special teams. What the Packers did in turning around their special teams under Rich Bisaccia, his first year as the Packers coordinator last year, a guy with multiple decades of experience doing this in the league. There was the coaching change last year. There was also the philosophical, the personnel change in terms of the types of players that the Packers want to be those core guys on special teams. And they're bringing them all back. Um, And obviously at the top of that list is Keyshawn Nixon now, and we'll get into some of the guys who left in a little bit. But when I took a look, as soon as the season ended, I took a look at the entire list of the Packers pending free agents. Honestly, the guy that was at the top of my list that I thought the Packers have to bring this guy back no matter what was Keyshawn Nixon. I mean, what he did for the return game, 
kickoff returns, punt returns, what he what he did on defense, playing, you know, settling in as a very reliable um nickel corner, that 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 slot corner position. He became a very valuable piece to this team in two phases in a very short amount of time. And that would have been a huge loss for the Packers if if Keyshawn Nixon had signed as a free agent elsewhere. I think bringing him back uh, was a huge step for 2023, even if, you know, directly he may won't necessarily be on the field with Jordan Love, although maybe he will be. Um, yeah. As we hear, uh, you know, the little rumblings about uh, about him wanting to play offense and Matt LaFleur possibly being open to it. But what Keyshawn Nixon means to the special teams and to this defense moving forward, I think is is huge. Well, let's let's use this as a starting point, Mike. The Green Bay Packers it, 2021 was not acceptable on special teams. They had to change the direction of that unit, but they didn't lay it at the feet of one individual. Yes, obviously, you look at Rich Bisaccia coming in and replacing Mo Drayton, but they did it on the personnel side too. They've done yep. it with the way in which they've coached this thing. You listened to Matt LaFleur last year talking about the special teams design periods that they implemented last year for that very reason to get more out of that unit. When you look at the strides they've made and also the transition the Packers are going to make offensively this year, you could not be in a position where you have question marks with special teams. You need to take the personnel you had, the guys that contributed to that turnaround, and you need to keep them in this building because now you're going to have a young influx of players coming in who are going to learn underneath those trees with Rich Bisaccia, with his assistants, also with these players coming back like your Down Levitts, your Rudy Fords, and as you were pointing out, Keyshawn Nixon. In my mind, Mike, to see the Green Bay Packers go in a 12-month span from a kickoff return and a punt return unit in which people legitimately were nervous when the ball is being kicked to Green Bay. You were you were kind of worried that there was going to be a, a muff punt. There was going to be some kind of negative play that was going to impact the rest of that game. Not only did Keyshawn Nixon eliminate those fears, he completely turned it around on the other yeah. side of things where now the Packers special teams, the Packers return units are the ones making the plays. And he built up every single week. People forget this is a guy that really hadn't done a lot of kickoff returning in the NFL. He obviously did it in Juco. He hadn't right. been punt returning really at all until they put him in there mid season. And in both phases, he played fearlessly. He played tenacious and he was able to be a big time playmaker for them. The biggest moment of all, obviously coming in Miami and then Minnesota back to back at the end of the season, Keyshawn Nixon is a heck of a football player. And you can tell how seriously the green Bay Packers are taking his playmaking potential by basically saying, yes, in addition to the special team stuff, this guy's going to be the nickel going into the offseason program. He has to hold on to that position. He has to prove that he can grow into that spot, but the Packers are going to open up every door possible for Keyshawn Nixon to be a playmaker in multiple phases. Yeah, first team all pro uh, as a kickoff returner and really didn't necessarily take over the job full time until close to halfway through yeah. the season last year. So just a tremendous year. And it's a it's it's a tremendous re-signing for the Packers to bring him back. The other one I want to mention, in addition to all those special teams guys, that was a little bit under the radar before we move on to the guys that departed and looking at the roster. But the Packers were able to bring back Justin Hollins at outside linebacker. And this is a young man claimed uh, claimed on waivers from the Rams. Um, toward, actually, I think it was even beyond the midway point of, of last season. But in a short time in Green Bay, made a pretty strong impression as to what he could bring to this defense and what he could do for Joe Barry. And with 
Uh, you know, the uncertainty surrounding exactly when Rashawn Gary will be back from the ACL injury, the fact that you have Preston Smith and then a, a fifth round pick from last year, Kingsley and Igbari as uh, as two of your top outside rushers right now, bringing back a guy like Hollins just for that depth piece, you know, to be able to play, you know, even if it ends up only being. 20 or 25 snaps a game or something. And maybe it'll be more than that, depending on Gary's situation. We'll have to see. But I thought that was a, I thought that was a, a really like sneaky, good move by green Bay to, uh, to get him back considering the impression he made uh, in, in that small sample size late last season. Yeah. And, and it was, it was sort of emblematic of a lot of the moves the Packers made this off season in which yes, it made total sense for the Packers, but it also made sense for the player too. I mean, Justin Hollins, he even said it, you know, the, the Rams letting him go last season. I think even in the quote that Sean McVay said, they want to give him a chance to sort of catch on somewhere else or prove himself elsewhere. And he did that in green Bay. And, and I feel like with Rashawn Gary, you know, what ACL injuries are like, you know, for sure, you're probably not going to have them at the beginning of training camp. You have to be able to give yourself some breathing room there. So yeah, Kingsley and Igbari, JJ, the guy I thought played exceptionally well as a rookie, he contributed in ways I did not anticipate him to contribute right off the bat because of Gary's injury, but it was Justin Hollins that came in and filled out that edge rushing rotation down the stretch. Preston Smith can play 70, 80% of the defensive snaps. He's shown even at 30 years old, he has no problem doing that, but you needed to be able to have another veteran presence in there. The year earlier, it was Whitney Merciless. Last year, it was Justin Hollins. I would imagine, Mike, when you and I are doing our preview for the draft next week and in these next episodes to come, we're going to be talking a lot about edge rushers, but we know how this game is played. You need guys that know the defense. You need guys that have some veteran knack to them. And Justin Hollins checks both of those boxes with his past experience with Joe Barry. And I I think it made a lot of sense on a numerous amount of levels as he's also not only the Green Bay Packers, but Justin Hollins is looking to put himself in a better position next year uh, as a free agent. Yeah, no question about it. Well, before I forget here on our rebooted show, I want to take care of some sponsor business. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. Billy steak sub, Mike, that's my advice for you. Go home, get the wife, get the children, go down to suck. There's now a cousins right down the block from your house. Philly steak sub is my go-to now. So you're saying I don't have to go to Philly like we did last, uh, last November. No. And this one's actually better. Not even lying. Not even lying. All right. Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, use real cheese, not something out of a can. (laughs) Well, in Wisconsin, you have to do that, right? Absolutely. Come on. Well, looking at the rest of the free agent picture, four veterans who remain unsigned at this point, Mercedes Lewis, Randall Cobb, Mason Crosby, and Adrian Amos have not signed with anybody, the Packers or any other team at that point. So very much in uh, in wait and see mode as far as, as far as those guys are concerned. Free agents who departed, Again, I will just list them off. Dean Lowry, Jaron Reed, Al Nazard, Robert Tunyon, and Chris Barnes. Um, Starting with those first two on the defensive line, Dean Lowry, Jaron Reed. Lowry goes to NFC North rival Minnesota. Jaron Reed goes back to where it all began, I guess you might say, with the Seattle Seahawks. 
and it puts uh, it it puts an interesting spotlight on the Packers defensive line, no question about it, because uh, a guy like Lowry, you know, six years, if I have the math right. Um, no, I'm sorry, seven years, seven years six he was seven. here. Yeah, six seven years y- on the calendar. <laughs> yeah, seven year, seven seasons in the in the on the Packers defensive line. Jaron Reed, a free agent acquisition from a year ago who came in and made an impact as well. Two big holes there, but I think the Packers letting them go is is a sign more than anything else that they are going to be counting on TJ Slayton, fifth round draft pick from a couple years ago, and Devontae Wyatt, a first round pick out of Georgia a year ago, to step up and play significantly larger roles uh, on this defensive front in 2023, along with whoever else might be brought in yeah. via the draft, and and we'll we'll get to that on some upcoming shows. But uh, um, but this uh, this is going to be about Slayton and Wyatt on the defensive line and those guys stepping forward into a, a level of responsibility they haven't uh, quite seen yet in the NFL. Yeah. And then the other guy, too, that the, the other one I want to mention is Chris Slayton. Uh, he was on the practice squad all of last season, but the Packers have had him around for a while and he's actually sort of a veteran um, interested to see what kind of opportunities might they be there for him as well. But to your point, Mike, I'm actually very intrigued and excited uh, about this defensive line uh, for as much uncertainty as there is outside of Kenny Clark. And the big reason for that is I think the Packers need to mix it up a little bit. Um, Dean was a great player for this team for a number of years. I thought Jaron Reed had some moments last year, especially down the stretch. But, you know, we know what the run defense has been like the past few seasons. We know some of the issues that Green Bay has had and sort of the inconsistency of it. And I'm excited to see what a Devontae Wyatt can bring, uh, what maybe TJ Slayton can offer in an expanded role. Can he improve enough? Can he show enough as a one technique to maybe maybe be a little bit more uh, fluid with how they use Kenny Clark? Because as much as we've talked about Kenny and reducing some of the snaps and changing his role up a little bit, it's basically every season come back to him having to play the nose tackle position because he's the most surest guy in there, even though he's probably not as big as most nose tackles, especially in a three, four front. Kenny has had to kind of weather those storms. Can TJ Slayton show that he can be that guy because structurally physically, he definitely fits the bill with his size. Devonte Wyatt. I look at him in the same breath that I look at Rashawn Gary from a couple years ago. This is a guy that virtually redshirted that first year. Didn't get a whole lot of opportunities behind that experience, behind the fact that TJ Slate was basically the next guy up in the rotation. But Wyatt has a first-round pedigree, and if you look at his story going back to Georgia, there are a lot of parallels there with how he's going to be used this year in Green Bay. He's going to see a significant bump in his spike of his playing time. Can his play go along with that? Matt LaFleur said it when we were down at the NFL owners' meetings. It is going to be a challenge for him to make sure he knows his cues, knows that he's not giving away any any tendencies to the opposing offensive line. Athletically, there is nothing to question there with Devontae Wyatt. The kid can be a playmaker. You saw that in the season finale against Detroit. It's going to be about the little things at this level if he can look to master. And if he does, Packers have a lot of potential. I, I like where that group is going if Wyatt can live up to that first-round potential. Yeah, and I like what you said, too, about TJ Slayton potentially taking on more of that that anchor in the middle because if TJ Slayton can – can take over a little bit more of that anchor role in the middle. That's going to allow you to move Kenny Clark around and try to get 
a certain matchups, right. Against yep. certain guards or, you know, lining up in, in certain positions. If Kenny Clark always has to be that guy in the middle, you're not playing a matchup game. You're just playing. This is where, you know, he has to, he has to fit right now. So um, I'm sure that's something that, uh, that Clark will potentially look forward and to forward. I don't to have as this. Well. I don't have the saber metrics in front of me, Mike, but I did see a lot of the analytics at the end of last season, the amount of double teams that Kenny has seen uh, last year, the year before that. Say, when, is, when, when has he not, except for maybe his rookie season? Yeah. I mean, that has been the big challenge for him is just trying to find that, that piece next to him that can alleviate some of that. They had it with Rashawn Gary. They had it, you know, with, with Preston Smith, but it's been that fourth guy uh, in that spot. And uh, I, I'm very intrigued to see what potentially he could do with, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more of a presence there inside. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, well, on the pass-catching side of things, Alan Lazard goes to the New York Jets. Um, Robert Tunyon goes to the NFC North rival Chicago Bears. And uh, both of those moves signal uh, you know, yet another uh, sea change, so to speak, here in Green Bay at those position groups because with Lazard gone, Randall Cobb unsigned, the torch is officially, I guess you could say, being passed now to the two um, the two top rookies from that group last year. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are are now going to be uh, going to be the the leaders in that receiver room, and and then with Mercedes Lewis unsigned and and Tunyon moving on, it's uh, it's Josiah DeGuara and Tyler Davis right now who are the leaders in the tight end room now. I would think the Packers are going to be looking at obviously bolstering both of those positions um, in the draft, but um, we we could probably do an entire show on the potential that Christian Watson showed just in you know a month, month and a half span of time last season. The fact that he is now going to be the number one receiver um, on this offense heading into his second year, I don't think it's a surprise at all based on what we saw the second half of last season. No, and you're seeing more and more of these young guys coming down and knocking the doors off the hinges. You know, when you look at, you know, Justin Jefferson and even last year with Garrett Wilson, uh, Jamar Chase, guys Jamar like Chase, yeah. Christian plays the entire year. If he had a first half, like he had his oh second half, he would have been in line for a thousand yard season and, you know, 10 touchdowns. So that is exciting to me. The fact that he had 14 career games played is now the most experienced receiver on this <laughs> roster, I think is incredible. Jeff Cotton, uh, who they signed in January off the street. He's the oldest receiver in that room right now. But, you know, as much as the Packers have talked about adding a veteran there, Mike, I'll be honest with you. I look at the landscape. I don't really know what's out there. Every time I look yeah. at a sheet that is like, Hey, what are the top veteran receivers available? It kind of looks like Randall Cobb. It kind of looks like 
you know, some of these guys that, you know, they did the, the Sammy Watkins deal last year. So I, I don't really know where they go in that regard, but certainly I, I think the potential of that group is really high. It's just a matter of filling out the rest of that depth chart. If you lose a Watson, if you lose a Dobbs, making sure you have some other young guys that can step up into those roles. Certainly they added Bo Melton at the end of last season. Samori Toure uh, came in, had some moments as a seventh round pick. But it's going to be interesting how that goes. Credit to both Watson and Dobbs. Both of those guys did spend some time out in California with Jordan Love. Dobbs actually trained with them, what it sounds like, quite a bit uh, in California in some of their downtime here. Aaron Jones went out there. The Packers, young guys, and even a veteran like Jones, they're making sure that they get those extra reps in with, with Jordan Love. I thought that says a lot about them. Tight end. Tyler Davis is in the same position right now in 2023 that Robert Tunyon was in in 2020. It's one of the stories I wrote earlier this offseason. If you look at their trajectories, their ages, everything, even going back to them being former college quarterbacks, they've gone along the same lines. The only difference with Davis is I think he fits the bill a little bit more as an inline tight end threat. He had some down moments in the preseason last year. Certainly it ended up being on the back of his special teams work that he made the roster and stayed there the entire season. But if Tyler Davis wants to be an NFL inline tight end, a guy that gets legitimate work, that opportunity is there for him this season. Yes, Josiah DeGuara's role is going to expand, but DeGuara is still more of that Swiss army knife. The Packers are going to need, especially if Mercedes Lewis is not back, they're going to need that inline tight end that can anchor next to the tackles and for Tyler Davis, this is a golden opportunity to prove that he can do it. Yeah, and I want to say this about Tyler Davis, too, because we don't know if it's going to work out, but he's getting an opportunity here that not too many guys get. And what I mean by that, and, and this is this is both a, a you know sort of circumstance the way it works out, but also a credit to him. And what I mean by that is last year heading into the draft or maybe it might have actually been on draft night or at one of the one of the uh, the news conferences during the draft. GM Brian Gutekunst made a comment about Tyler Davis saying, yeah, I think maybe we have something there. Yeah. Well, a lot of people obviously latched onto that comment. Um, it was, it was a, a nice boost for the young man heading into the 2022 season, but then training camp in the preseason didn't, didn't go that well, had some lapses, some penalties, some drop passes, things didn't really come together the way that anyone had envisioned and certainly the, the way that he had hoped. But what did he do, Wes? Even though he fell on the depth chart and wasn't where he wanted to be on offense, he balled out on special teams all year long. He took everything that Rich Bisaccia and all those other veterans on special teams were telling him in terms of how to how to do the job and how to excel and how to succeed. And he did that. And, he, and because of that, he was brought back now as a free agent to come back with another crack at this tight end position and and trying to regain the spot on the depth chart that he lost last year that that didn't work out for him yeah. um it's it's an opportunity that not many guys get in the NFL when when there's a there's a failure so to speak at, at a certain level and Tyler Davis is going to get another shot and I'm really really curious to see what he does with that opportunity because you have to believe as frustrating as things were he wasn't happy about the way things went offensively and you'd think it was you'd think there would probably be some some confidence issues there. I'm really curious to see what he does with this chance now and and how he bounces back because you know he has to have learned some things about what happened a year ago. Totally. And when you look at him, six foot four, two hundred and fifty some pounds, 
the guy is a prototypical special teams ace. I mean, he fits that inside linebacker tight end, you know, that's the type of body type they like on teams yeah. for him to play 81% of the special team snaps last year, Michael, that basically says he didn't play on field goal block. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, the guy otherwise yeah, was on was everything there. else. Yeah. So again, he he's proven himself on special teams, but as we've seen time and time again, we saw it last year with Keyshawn Nixon, a little bit with Rudy Ford. It's about growing your role past that. And, and you could not ask for a better situation to be in right now. Yeah. Well, one last thing before we wrap it up on this show. And as I said, we'll do another show this week, taking a little closer look at the various positions on the Packers roster, what sort of stands out as, as some of those need areas uh, with regard to the draft and, and in that show, and then another show early next week, we'll uh, we'll also maybe throw some names around as far as some prospects who might fit uh, those positions and, and where the Packers are picking in, in the first and second round. Although that is, uh, you know, somewhat to be determined, I guess you could say with regard to when, and uh, when this, uh, this Aaron Rodgers trade goes down, but I want to just, uh, Get your thoughts quickly before we go. You went down to Phoenix, Arizona a few weeks ago to cover the leagues, uh, what they call the annual meetings, also called the owners meetings. You were down there while I was burning my last few vacation hours before I lost them. Um, but just uh, your impressions, any any thoughts that you brought back with you from those league meetings that you think uh, are particularly pertinent to the green Bay Packers in 2023. Well, the, the biggest thing for me, Michael, was we talked to Brian Gutekunst on Monday, uh, which was like a day into the trip. And it was an evening session with him. We talked to him for about 15 minutes and I didn't really know how that was going to go because we knew what the questions were going to be. We just didn't really know what the answers were going to be. And, you know, Brian did not equivocate. Um, he was steadfast in terms of the belief in Jordan love and, also the Packers position on where things stand with Aaron Rodgers. And I thought it was, I talked with Rob Domofsky, an ESPN reporter afterwards. And in, for my opinion, call it what you will. I, I felt like that was Brian's golden hour right now as GM. I thought he handled the situation perfectly. I felt like he came in and he delivered a strong message to the people inside this building about the belief inside this building of where this team can still go. Cause let's be honest, Mike, when you have a quarterback, like Aaron Rodgers, that will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. When Pete Doherty makes his case, much like with Brett Favre, it's going to take less than 10 seconds to explain why Aaron Rodgers deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. That is a scary proposition for a lot of people because for someone like myself, 35 years old, as far as way back I can remember, it's been Brett Favre or it's been Aaron Rodgers. But time does press on in the Packers. All you can do is hope that Jordan Love doesn't have to be Brett Favre. He doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. He needs to be Jordan Love, and he needs to be the quarterback that was worthy of being considered as one of the top first-round picks, not only at his position, but in the entire draft back then. So very excited about that. I felt like Gutekunst really set the table well for where the Packers are looking into the future. The last thing, because it got brought up time and time again, was a question to Matt LaFleur many of times over is about, well, are you excited about how your offense is going to look the scheme of your offense? You know, maybe with, with having a younger quarterback, that's going to stick to the script a little bit more than, than maybe what Rogers did. And one thing I think people get so wrong about Matt LaFleur is the guy doesn't have an ego. He, he takes the game for what it is. He wants to put the best product on the field. He wants them to run the best play. He wants there to be the best opportunity. 
when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you cede a lot of that to him in the moment because he's the guy that's ultimately out there with the pass rush trying to get to him in less than 2.5 seconds. Rodgers is going to see the field a little bit differently than a lot of quarterbacks, most quarterbacks, maybe every quarterback. You want to be able to use that. But with a guy like Jordan Love coming in, as much as people want to say, well, are they going to run the scheme, whatever, with Jordan Love? It's not about Jordan Love. It's about what does Aaron Jones get out of this? It's about what does someone like David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins on the left side of the offensive line, knowing that they have a young quarterback behind him that they have to protect. It's never been about one player. It's been about the sum of the whole. And I feel like that's one thing that LaFleur is very entrenched in. Maybe you can say that's from working with young quarterbacks in Washington or doing the job that he did in Tennessee or even LA, but the fact of the matter is, as much as this is a quarterback-driven league, you need all 11 players offensively to get where you need to go. I feel like that's the most intriguing thing. And I think when you listen to LaFleur, as grateful as he is for the four years he spent with Aaron Rodgers, the exciting thing for him now is the new challenge in front of this team in rallying around a young 24-year-old quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that Matt LaFleur has the experience of adjusting his scheme and his system to a quarterback when he first got here as head coach and he went through that entire process and got to do it with a hall of fame quarterback. I think that's only going to benefit the entire offense, the entire team as Matt LaFleur repeats that experience, but with a completely different young quarterback without the experience level, but he's made the adjustments to the system, you know, to the player, to the quarterback before, and now he has to do it again, albeit just in in different circumstances. But you know that that's a challenge he's looking forward to. Absolutely. And and for Packer fans out there, my main message, if you read our insider inbox, all offseason has been, it doesn't have to be either or with Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love. You can be appreciative of the 15 years of Aaron Rodgers as a starting quarterback here and everything he accomplished, the Super Bowl trophy that he added downstairs, the four MVPs, the fact that he did have one of the most remarkable careers in NFL history in Green Bay, and also still be excited about what the prospects are of watching a young quarterback grow. Mike, I haven't seen it yet. You have. You got to see Aaron Rodgers as a backup transitioning into a starter. I've only covered an MVP, a Super Bowl champion. So I personally am very intrigued for the better or worse, for the good moments and the bad of watching a young guy move into that position. A gratitude is a huge thing in the sport. There's an incredible amount of gratitude for what Aaron Rodgers has accomplished and also excitement for what the next chapter holds. Yeah, no question about it. Well, with that, We will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. As I said, we'll have another episode this week and another one in the early portion of next week, looking ahead to the draft, trying to take a look at the Packers roster, where certain uh, holes are, where things, uh, uh, certain players might be able to fit all of that. We've got it coming for you now that we are, uh, we are back online with Packers Unscripted. So thank you for tuning in everybody. We will see you next time. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. 
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.